Hey, welcome to Highlight Church, everyone. How are you this morning? Good? Good, good, good. So glad to see you all. Um, we are going to continue in our series, Chosen. Uh, we are in the book of Ephesians. We're, we're still in chapter one. We're still in chapter one. But today we're going to finish with chapter one. Next Sunday we're going to enter chapter two. And uh, next Sunday is going to be amazing, amazing. Um, hey, I, know, I know some of us like to go away for the summer, um, which is cool, maybe a week or two. But um, hey, don't, don't skip out of here too early on us. We want to hang out with you next, next Sunday. Uh, we're going to shorten our service to about 60, 65 minutes. And uh, we're going to have some food and beverage. And uh, we may even have some things for the kids after service. Uh, next Sunday. So please come. Uh, we're going to continue in our series, but we want to hang out. We want to connect and get to know you. Um, wow. Thank you, Chris. Man, my wife just got into it and, and she just, come on now. She just, just give it up for the worship team, everyone. Thanks, Chris. So powerful, got me walking on water up here. Just didn't know I could do it, but I, I did it. I did it. I did it. Jesus wasn't the only one. Um, so, yeah, man, just we're calling it HL Hangs. So come on out next Sunday. Invite friends, family. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, it's going to be good. But today we're going we're gonna to dive into the Word of God, uh, Ephesians. We're going to cover verses 15 through 23 in Ephesians chapter 1. If you didn't catch context, please go back to our podcast. Uh, chapter 1, we teach about who Paul is and what the book of Ephesians is all about and what scholars and historians have said about uh, the, 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 the majestic power of the book and uh, the divinity in it. Now, this entire book is divine, but uh, scholars believe that if you would just read Ephesians and study it, you will have the whole of Christianity in six chapters. So we're just going to take our time in Ephesians all the way through the summer, uh, and, and we're just going to learn what God has to say. Uh, repeat this after me, Ephesians 1.4. We should have it on the screen right about now. Ephesians 1.4, and it says, repeat it after me. Even before, Even before he made the world, made the world. God, loved God loved us and chose us in Christ, chose us in Christ. To, be to be holy and without fault, and without fault. in his eyes. Yeah. We're going to say it again, and then you're going to celebrate because... Once again, I said this last week, but religion, religion, because a lot of people think Christianity is a religion. It's not. It's a relationship with a person. Religion is routine. So I tell people a lot of times, they, well, so what, what religion do you believe in? I tell them I believe in fatherhood because I wake up every day and I take care of my kids. Now, who do I believe in? Who do I walk with? That's a person. That's Jesus. And, and Jesus can tell me to sit on the speaker all service and preach. He can tell me to sit on the subwoofer. He can tell me to get up. He can tell me to get down there. I, I walk with a person who tells me what to do, and I obey him simply because he loves me, and he gave everything for me. And I love him, and I love him back, and he's just, he's a good God. So we're going to repeat this. We're going to celebrate. Religion has told you that you're far from God, but this just tells us right here that before the world was created, you were chosen and loved by God before you even committed your first sin, and God's crazy about you. We don't need the rest of the Bible. Ephesians 1.4. Is all you need. So here we go. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's celebrate. 
That's awesome. Well, let's go home. No. Um, so what am I talking about today? All right, great. So today I want to bring a message entitled A Leader's Longing. A Leader's Longing. Um, you know, fatherhood is, is one of the greatest forms of leadership. Uh, a lot of people don't see parenting as leadership, but I believe before you lead anyone, when you're a parent, you must, well, if, especially if you're married, you must first uh, lead with your spouse, lead your spouse. But secondly, you have to lead your children. Um, for me, fatherhood is amazing. You know, uh, yesterday I had a, an entire day with my two boys. I have a two-year-old and an eight-year-old. <sighs> and... Uh, and I'm feeling some residual impact from yesterday on me right now. Uh, and, and I have to stand up here for the next four, uh, two or three hours and preach the word of God to you. <laughs> Don't leave. The next 35, 40 minutes, 45, 50. Um, and, and preach the word of God to you. But yesterday we were at games. Um, my, my oldest son, he plays baseball. He, he did his thing. Their, their team won like 16 to 4. They killed this team. Uh, but the entire time, I am watching my two-year-old climb bleachers. He's playing with Lindsay, a four-year-old girl who's kicking the soccer ball everywhere, and, and he's tackling her and all this stuff. And I'm like, Judah, please just sit down, man. I want to enjoy my Starbucks and watch your brother play the game. Sit down. But at the age of two, I mean, show of hands, who does not have kids in here? Hands down. We have nothing in common. <laughs> Not even our faith. We have nothing in common. Because you see a whole new side of Jesus when you have kids. And you see that you need them. I just wasted like five minutes on my intro. Anyway, you know, uh, I love being with my boys. And uh, I love to see them flourish in all areas. You know, you don't want their lives to be gripped by by fear and uh, limitation and circumstance as they get older, you want them to, to, to flourish. And so the Bible says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Quiver is, you know, Robin Hood and, and who has arrows. You have to understand that when you have kids, it's your calling to, to, to eventually one day shoot them out into the world. So as a parent, how am I raising my children to to know Jesus and to love God and to serve people and to find purpose, not fulfillment in the things of the, this world, but to find their true purpose and identity in who Jesus is, their creator. And so um, it's fun. You want to see them flourish. What we have here in Ephesians is we have Paul, who is the spiritual father of the church in Ephesus. Um, this is a city of, of about a quarter million people in Ephesus, the, the second largest Roman province, and uh, he is their spiritual father. He spent about three years there. If you would read Acts chapter 18 through 20, you'll see where Paul spent about three years there teaching. The Bible says daily the word of God, every day. He taught. In the lecture hall of Tyrannus, he taught daily, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, all the way through the week. Paul never got tired of, of issuing out the word of God, and he yearned. And he longed for them to know and experience everything that God had for their lives. And as a leader, he dedicated his life to their growth. As a matter of fact, in uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it's, Paul says this 
to the elders of Ephesus, the elders that he ordained to be pastors and leaders over that church. He told them this. He said, look, I know I'm, I'm pops, but I'm going to leave you all to lead this church because I want to go to Rome and, and appear before Caesar and preach the good news of Jesus to Caesar. He says this, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing, for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul, Paul summed his entire life up to what all Christians should sum our entire lives up to. But my life, I'm just going to let the pieces fall however they may. I have three points. We may get through one because we're in a teaching mode. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus has assigned a work to each person in this room. And it has little to do with the work that you're involved in that brings in income. Now, he can use that as a platform, but your primary purpose is telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. When the judgment comes, when we die and when we appear before God, the only thing he's going to look at is the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. That's all he's going to care about. Not the bins, not the beamer, not, not your income, not your worth or your value. The Bible says that God owns a thousand cattle, thousand cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the Rolls Royces, all the Xboxes, all the paychecks. He owns it all. He, he doesn't care about that. In his eyes, we are poor. He is rich. And the only thing that's going to, the work of telling others about the good news of the wonderful grace of God. In my work ethic, does my employer know that I honor God? Does my manager know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ? Do my, do my coworkers know that I love God? Do they know? Do my children know that Jesus is number one in my life? As a man, a, a real man loves Jesus. A real man won't use a woman for, for, for the things that he can get from her. A real man worships Jesus. A real man worships God. And I'm telling you, baby girl, if come on now, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. This is good. And I'm telling you, baby girl, if you can't get his butt to church, don't even worry about him. I'm sorry for my first time, guests. I didn't come here. I'm a lot more nicer than this. But if you can't get his butt to church, leave him be. Leave them be. Leave them be. God created someone for you that loves the Lord, and that's the person he's preparing for you. So you wait. You wait. You wait. You wait. You wait. Back to Paul. Sorry. As a leader, he dedicated his life. And so what I want to say this is if you are a leader, and you are, you have influence. If you have children, if you have nephews and nieces, coworkers, you have influence. In your life, your desire should be for people to grow. Your desire should be for people to prosper and advance. So we're going to read Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Let's go for it. And it says here, ever since I first heard 
of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. This is Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. He's written a letter, uh, written a letter back to them. He's, right now he's in prison and he's written this letter. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. You are God's inheritance. You may not feel like it, but you are God's inheritance. And it says here, verse 19, also, I pray, he's praying a lot, a leader's yearning, a leader's longing. He's praying for these things. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. Within you is the power that raised Jesus from the dead. Satan knows this. The devil knows this, but sometimes we're unaware of this. He knows this, for believers, that is. If you don't believe, you can get this power today at the end of service. So he goes on to say this, verse 21. Now Jesus is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader, anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. How many people know that the church is a body of believers and not a building? You will not find the concept of going to church in the Bible. There's no such thing as going to church. So when you tell your kids or when you tell yourself or your friend, whoever, hey, go to church with me, there's no such thing as that biblical concept. You are the church. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst, is what Jesus says. Wherever you are, you are the church. So he is the head over all things, and it says here, for the benefit of the believers. Trans translate that to the believers, and we're going to get practical here. I'm just kind of teaching through verse 23, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. And uh, before we go on to our three points today, I just want to acknowledge our superheroes. Um, uh, let me, first of all, Sam and Lance, uh, Yuri over here, these two, they're Mary, um, the beautiful redhead stepchild of mine, and Lance with the pink shirt. Let's give them some love. Um, they... They moved with my wife and our two kids and uh, six, uh, five other adults um, from Florida to start Highlight Church. Um, no, no guarantees, nothing in it for them. Um, I mean, I didn't even have the, the courtesy of giving them a position. I said, you guys are just going to come and, and be volunteers. You know, you're going to set up pipe and drape and, and sound and you're going to serve. And I'm going to need you to find jobs, a place to live, none of which I can invest in. Um, and they came up here to a city that they felt led to and felt called to to reach people like you. And um, so I honor you. I thank God for your faith. I thank God for your love. You guys are amazing. We're better because of you. You're amazing. You're amazing. Thank God for you. Um, I don't have time to go down my entire list, but all of our superheroes who've signed up, we're only six months old, and uh, we're just getting started. 
And uh, we have a lot of work to do in the city, but I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for every dollar that you give. Thank you for every hour that you serve. Uh, thank you for every prayer. Every time you come to something outside of a Sunday, be it a team night or, or your small group, I thank God for your faith and your love for the city and for the people that you serve. Give yourselves another hand clap. You're amazing people. Because he starts off, you know, I, I heard your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people. I have not stopped thanking God for you is what Paul said. And so point number one, I want to bring out three points. I think we're only going to get through two today. Um, point number one is that uh, as a leader, Paul wanted them to have wisdom for growth. You need wisdom to grow in every area of your life. Wisdom. He wanted them to have wisdom. And it says here in verse 17, he says, I have not stopped asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. You know, growing up, I knew a lot about sports, uh, more, more specifically basketball. Um, I would even say, hey, what did you have, like some Kool-Aid or something up here? More, more, more specifically, um, basketball. <laughs> um, sorry. You guys are awesome. I'm enjoying this. You know, I, I told the Lord before we, I came today, I said, God, I am. Yesterday was tough with the kids, and I got my message. But, man, I'm going to just go for it. I didn't recite this sucker. I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't even know what's on this paper. I just, I typed it up. It's too it's, let me tell you how unprepared I am. It's two pages. I normally have four. So it's just put together. So are we ready for this? Are we ready to go? All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Anyway. Now, in college, anyone ever took vertebra vertebrae physiology? Show of hands. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. It's actually the subject where it teaches us how uh, our different uh, systems of the body work together. So how your... your, your uh, Cardiac system works with your limbic and all that stuff. I don't have time to get into it. But I knew so much about the material when I was pre-medicine um, that I was one of only two students in my undergrad class um, that was exempt from my final. I had a 98 average. No, no feather in my cap. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to drive home a point. I promise it's going to make sense in a few minutes. I had a 98 average when it was time for finals. And so my professor told me that. He said, Joshua, even if you got a 20% on your final, you will still have an A. Because throughout your other tests throughout the semester, you got 102, 120, 130. You got bonus points and all this stuff. So I'm just going to exempt you from your final because your, your average is so high. It's you and it's the smartest girl in the class. And I knew I wasn't that smart, so it was something I was very proud of. I worked very hard for it. But the thing about it is, is I knew a lot about this thing. I knew a lot about this subject. I had a lot of insight and knowledge into it. I put a lot of hours and study and, and days and week in, in, into mastering the subject and this thing. And, uh, you know, we know a lot about a lot. You know a lot about a lot. You know a lot about a lot. You know, you, know, you know a lot about a lot. Paul put it like this. He says this here in Philippians 3, 5 through 8. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. That's a part of the Jewish law. And he says here, 
I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. What Paul is saying is, is this. If there was anybody who was somebody in Israel, it was me. If there was anyone who was a genius, who was a prodigy, who was called, who had a purpose, it was me. If there was anyone who had status, who was successful, who knew it all, it was me. I knew a lot about a lot. This is Paul's past. This is his testimony. I knew, I knew a lot about finances. I knew a lot about sports. I knew a lot about science. I, I, know, I know a lot about shoes and perfumes. and col- I knew a lot about a lot. And then he goes on to say this here. He says, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. Matter of fact, the things I was so passionate about, I had no room or no space for Jesus. I knew a lot about a lot. No passion for Christ. And then he goes on to say this here. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Dude, you couldn't touch me. He said, once I thought these things were valuable. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Shift time. Once I thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage. Some translations say poop. Some translations say dung. Some translations say crap. But whatever I know, whatever I think I know, if it's not more Jesus, if it's not more wisdom of God, I don't know it. It's not worth it. I don't care anymore because the only thing I want to know, the only thing I need to know is who Jesus Christ is. That's, that's the only thing. That's the only thing that matters. And we, you know, we got it. You know, sin is an archery term. And so when we think sin, we think black and white sins, like blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to go there. But sin is an archery term. Paul is saying, as a matter of fact, I was so knowledgeable in what I knew that I missed the fact that I was operating under the spirit of pride. And the very thing that caused Satan to fall from heaven was pride. Jesus was here. I was shooting here. Jesus was here. My shooting was here. We know a lot about a lot. Let me put it to you this way. Paul had it all. He knew it all. But he didn't have it all, and he didn't know it all. Let, let me put it to you this way. We can, we can know a lot about things that don't matter. Then we can know very little, if anything, about the things that truly matter. Let me put it to you another way. We can, we, we, can, we can major in the minors, and we can minor in the majors. Let me say it back. We can minor in the majors and major in the minors. Know a lot about a lot, <laughs> but don't know nothing about something. What does, it, what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? 
That's what Christ said. Proverbs 9, 10 through 12 says this. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. If you want to be wise, wisdom starts with not being scared of God, but with recognizing who God is in every area of your life. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So the word judgment isn't always curse be thou. No, judgment is about saying, this is the right thing to do. This is what the word of God says. This is the loving guidance of God. This is the unhealthy thing to do. This is what keeps me unfulfilled. This is the thing that keeps me addicted and broken. This is the thing that keeps me hopeless. These are the thoughts that keep me worrisome and anxious at night. Good judgment. I recognize that God is in control. God is good. God is love. That's his word. Good judgment is recognizing God and following suit. And so Proverbs goes on to say this. It says here, wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. I know 80-year-old fools. I can take you to some back home. Then I know 30-year-olds who are more fulfilled than those 80-year-olds. This, this part, the part of this verse is not saying just to add years to your life, but what, what God wants us to do is to live in such a way to where we have insight and revelation from his word, understanding from his word, to where our days are more full, more, full of more peace, full of more joy, where we, where we live in purpose. Because you can be 80 and be unfulfilled. And you can be 30 and you can be fulfilled knowing that the next 50 years of your life only get better and better and better. Stop knowing a lot about the things that don't matter and know a little something about the things that truly do matter. I'm, 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 I'm not in my notes today. This is the best stuff right here. This is stuff my wife been at. Okay, asking for Bible study stuff. We got we to gotta stick with what he says in the verse then say this. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. Now, a lot of people often ask me, Pastor, what? you know, I don't know the will of God for my life. How much I got? I'm going to add two minutes on. I got about 15, I'll put four minutes on, about 17 minutes on my clock. I don't know the will of God for my life. I mean, I, I knew this was five more minutes. <laughs> the revealed will of God. And as you grow, Paul says, as, as a leader, my longing for you is that you would grow in spiritual insight. And so as you grow in what you know about God, you recognize God. Here, here's the application. I recognize God. I grow in what I know about him. I apply what I know about him. And the blessings follow. James says, don't be a listener, be a doer. Be a doer. Be a doer. 
The word of God is everything for your life. Sex life, finances, singleness, married life, lies, scandals, pride, uh, prosperity, blessing, curses. The word of God has ev- addiction. It deals with everything. It, the Bible said, the, the word of God says that it is living and breathing and it's able to divide soul asunder. This, this is the God breathe is what Paul calls it. This thing was breathed by God. It's the wisdom. So Paul says, as your leader, look, I don't care what church you go to. I'll start over with my original nine. I don't care what church you go to. Just grow in the things that matter the most so that you can be blessed. I don't care where you go. Don't care where you go. Know what matters the most. Point number two. Is this okay? No, it's a little hard, but this is going to be better. That's the hardest part. <laughs> Point number two. I want to talk about a leader wants you to know that you have power for the possibilities. There are certain possibilities that you hope for, that you dream of. And I want to let you know as a believer, you have access. You have that power. Repeat after me three times here. Anything is possible because I have power. Anything is possible because I have power. Anything is possible because I have power. Now celebrate it. If you believe it, celebrate it. Anything is possible because I have power. Power, in in the context, we're going to revisit the verse in a minute, is exousia in the Greek, exousia. And it means that you have authority given to you by God to the extent that you live by faith in God's word. Everything this word says is possible unto you to the extent that you believe it and live it out. Everything. And um, at 19, I started studying the Bible and I ran across verses like this in Acts chapter 10, 38, where it says here, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Y'all, y'all read Jesus, right? Like the lady who had the issue of blood, she losing blood for 12 years, and uh, he was walking, and uh, she touched the, the hem of his garment. She touched the hem of his garment, and uh, she was healed. And the, and the first thing he says is that, I perceive that power has just left me. Power. What he was saying is, is that I perceive that authority that was given to me by God has just left me because this 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 person approached Jesus saying that I I know that if I would just touch something that's connected to him I would receive the healing that I needed he says I perceive that power that's why you have to be connected to the right people to the right thing so that the power so if you're lacking power get connected to the right person the right things, the right people, so that the power that, that operates and flows through them can flow into your life. It's, it's power. It's, it's miraculous power that, that deals with any situation. And, and it says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. I love this. Then Jesus went around doing good. Power. He sat on a throne. Nope. He, he disregarded the poor. 
the Samaritans, the, the Syrians, the blacks, the whites, the Japanese, the Hispanic. No, Jesus had power. I'm, I'm going somewhere. You know I'm going somewhere. You know I'm going somewhere. He had power. And what did he do with power? Because I want to show you the nature of power and how power seeks to operate in your life. And it says here, it says he went power doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So God gives me power to conquer the devil in other people's lives. Nothing to do with me. And we all look for purpose. We look for income. We look for fulfillment. Not understanding that the reason you were even given power in the first place was for other people. Find passion in people. Find passion in loving and serving people. He received power for people. And so when I thought about people as a young boy, I thought about Arnold. Or, or, you know, I thought about Arnold, right? Um, we, we think about presidents and kings and, and, and rich people and military commanders. We, we think about that. We, we think about that. But, but, but I, I've come to find something out about power. Can we talk? I've come to find something out about power. Because Jesus, it says, and you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good. He had power, so he did good. Killing all who were oppressed by the devil. So my power, my authority is given to conquer the devil. In my marriage, yeah. I've come to find out that power has little to do with position. And it has everything to do with the pursuit of my God-given purpose. Now, your employer has power. But it doesn't mean that he's more powerful than you. Purpose in every area. Power is being faithfully married for 30 years. Understanding that it's not perfect. It never was perfect. Power is when someone has broken your heart and you allow the the spirit of God to heal you to the point where the next person you're in a relationship with, you won't allow the residual impact of that last relationship to go into that new relationship. That's power. Power is, is loving your kids even when you've given them your best for 21 years, and they still end up jacked up. But your door is still open to them. Power, power is not having the resource, not having the money, being in the red, having to receive your resource from other sources, and allowing God to humble you for a season so that he can lift you up. Because I, I tend to believe that whenever we're lacking resources, because God's hand is into building our character. Power is saying, God, build me up. Make me better from the inside. P- power. Power has little to do with position and everything to do with the pursuit of purpose in every area of our lives. And I'm, look, I'm reading this and it says, Jesus went around healing 
Power has little to do with strength and everything to do with service. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. He gave his life for the church. Wash her with the word of truth. Husbands, does your spouse open the Bible before you do? Or do you lead her into the word of God? Does she pray before you pray? Or do you pray first? Serving her. Serving, serving a a shrewd, rude manager. Understanding that your blessing doesn't come from the hand of your manager. Your blessing comes from the hand of God. Colossians 3, 23, for you do all things for the Lord and your reward comes from him. Power has little to do with talk. Who are oppressed by the devil, healing all. Power has little to do with talk and it has everything to do with transformation. Are you more patient than six months ago? Are you wiser? Can, can, can God trust you with increased influence? Can he trust you with increased resource? Because at one point you had a lot, now you have a little. Chances are God didn't take that away from you. We're, we're not wise in certain seasons. So have you been transformed? The power that raised Jesus from the dead, power has little to do with talk and everything to do with true transformation from addict to free, from broken to healed, from victim to victor, from hurt to now you're the one that heals. Jesus was hurt. Come to find this out too, that power has little to do with what you can do. (laughs) The power of Jesus in you has little to do with what you can do and has everything to do with what he can do through you. You know, Jesus' most powerful moment was on the cross. When physically he couldn't do a thing for himself. But he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's power. And so Paul asked, oh, I'm getting chills. Paul asked um, God, Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 12, go home and read it today. He said, Lord, I have three thorns. Remove them from my flesh. I want to I wanna continue to go full speed for your calling. Please remove these things that limit me. Remove these circumstances that limit me from being everything you've called me to be. Remove these thorns from my flesh. And you know, he said that this revelatory insight, the spirit of Jesus visited him and he said, Paul, not removing those thorns. Because in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. Power has little to do with what you can do and everything to do with what he's doing inside of you. That's, that's, that's power. Power for the possibilities. It's possible. 
whatever you envision, whatever you dream, whatever you see, it, it's possible when you understand that power has everything to do with pursuing your God-given purpose. It has everything to do with service, and it has everything to do with transformation. That's what power does in your life. And so Paul says this in Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. He says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. You have that power. You have that power. Last point. Are we ready? Can we clap it in, intro this last point? All right. Paul wants his people to know, he wants me to know, you to know, that there is great reward in the right connection. Great reward in the right connection. Meaning relationships. I I can personally attest to this. Um, Thank God we live in a generation where pastoring isn't as as much territorial today as it as it used to be um you, you got some people that when you come into their cities what, what are y'all about you know they they don't they don't want any new ministries in the cities but there, there's this new movement going around but there's this belief that you shouldn't do ministry alone when you're a pastor and so there's this new culture where you're just connecting with pastors you may go out to dc or baltimore and, and just connect two hours over lunch, exchange phone numbers to go and see them throughout the week. Um, I have a few pastors I can call. Uh, I can go uh, up 200 for about 40 minutes and, and, and go to I-5 Church and go see Pastor Jimmy Rollins and, and just sit under him and his wisdom and under his team um, after feeling burnt and just and, and feel and leaving and coming back to the city and saying, okay, we can continue to do this. You know, and, and I had a leader tell me, Josh, you need to develop the right connections because there is great reward in the right connections. And so Paul is saying, I want you to understand that uh, uh, you, you need quality connections. Leaders should care about the quality of their people's connections. Y'all my people. So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't want y'all, you know, in, in certain relationships. I know most of us haven't had a chance to have a one-on-one. But I, I, I know this enough to know that uh, if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If, if you show me your influences, I'll show you your destiny. Um, and, and a leader wants you to go to the right places. My basketball coach used to tell me all the time I had problems with, uh, with geometry, hated geometry. Anyone hated ge- geometry up in here? There we go. He used to tell me all the time, you need to visit Mrs. Valerie. She's a genius. He connected me he, throughout the summer. Since basketball is going to be over, you need to join this league and play with this coach because it's not just about basketball. It's about the quality of your life. And, and so he was a leader that cared about my connections. And so uh, Ephesians 1, 21 through 23 says this, and we're going to close us out here in two minutes. Jason, bring me on in. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power, leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Talking about Jesus, God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things. 
for the benefit of, here's the application, the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. I want to say this for you. I, I need my baby Christians or non-believers to, to check in with me because my, my, my seasoned ones are checking out. They're looking at Jason. He's amazing. But check in with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you. And it says here, the presence and the power of Jesus resides within the context of the assembling of the body of Christ. The presence and the power of God resides in the context of when we get together. You ever notice that when you're alone, you don't think? the best thoughts. But if you get around the right person for long enough, they're going to build you up because the power of Christ is there. And so God is, Paul is pretty much encouraging them that Jesus is over all things. The church is the body. He's the head. The church is the body of Christ. He fills all things. And so my finger can't say to me, hey, Josh, like, Detach me. Follow me here and, and, and you know, grow legs and, and run off across the stage and, and say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm still a part of you. I'm, I'm still a part of you. And I'm like, I'd be like, no, you're, you're not a part of me anymore. You are my finger. You, you used to be my finger, but, but you, you're severed. You're severed. And, and if you stay distant for too long, finger, you will lose your lifeline. Speed, no more finger. No more, no more finger. The point is here. If you stay severed from the body for too long, you will continue to go through the struggles that you do. Because you don't enable yourself to be filled up by the Christ through the body of believers. Different thing now. To be severed is different than being broken or fractured. To be broken and fractured means that you're still connected. The church is full of broken people who are full of Jesus. That's called God's grace. Stay connected. Sunday worship experience. If you're not in a light group, men, we have amazing men be connected. Yeah. Women, we have amazing women. Yeah. Get connected. Yeah. Become a superhero so that Jesus' goodness can continue to fill you through others who are broken. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, everyone. Father, we love you this morning. We give you praise and honor. And Jesus, we thank you for providing us your word. Thank you, God, for the Apostle Paul, who is now home with you, who had a leader's yearning for our best. Lord, help us to grow in the things that matter. Help us to gain the knowledge and the wisdom of your word. Help us to apply your word so that we may be blessed. God, remind us of the power of the possibilities. Remind us that power has little to do with position and everything to do with pursuing purpose. Remind us, Lord, that power has little to do with strength and everything to do with service. Remind us that power has little to do with talk 
in everything to do with our transformation and the transformation of others. God, and give us the heart to remain connected to the body, the body in which you choose to fill through and through with your presence. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.